At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is Mike Williams. You're listening to Roster Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the Epic Roster Watch Podcast, brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, where you can go deposit right now up to $100 for a 100% deposit match with promo code ROSTER. Enter in that Best Ball Mania 3 tournament, $2 million up top. $1 million just goes to the poor second place winner. Uh, that's a $25 entry, so if you sign up right now, promo code ROSTER, you get $100 free. We'll get four free entries into that. Four shots at $2 million. So uh, we have with us a very special guest, one of the guys who, I mean, Roster Watch Nation always lets me know that this this is uh, one of their favorites. He's been on the podcast. I, Justin, have you been on the radio show on Sirius? I think you've been on this radio show. I, I don't you? think I have, actually. No, oh, I don't think I have. Okay. Well, certainly a few times on the podcast. His name is Justin Boone. You can follow him on Twitter, at Justin Boone. He is over at The Score, which is an awesome uh, website and app. And he's one of the guys who we were just talking about it beforehand, um, not doing the fantasy pros contest anymore, but certainly a supreme reign that you had over there as far as as far as accuracy with the fantasy pros contest. What the hell's going on, brother? Hey, I'm I'm doing really well. We were joking before the show. You know, last year I, I thought the first year I wasn't in the fantasy pros contest. I thought it might buy me a little time to spend on you know other content or maybe even with my family, give them a little more time during the fall and Sure enough, it's just it's ingrained in me the competitiveness. I couldn't do anything less than what I'd done in the past. So I was still doing the the same, you know, limited sleep and waking up early Sunday mornings and all that stuff. It just it really fuels me. But this is a time of year where it's kind of nice because right now we kind of have a pretty good idea what these rosters are going to look like. And over the next couple months, there isn't going to be that much news. Maybe we'll get a Deshaun Watson suspension announcement or the odd injury and in minicamp stuff like that. But there isn't that much news that's going to happen over the next couple months here. So maybe we can actually sneak some vacation in during that time. We'll see. <laughs> right. No, it, and it's also a great time, like we were talking about, you know, during the season, you know, you and I were both saying we were lamenting the fact that we feel awful that people ask us to come on their podcasts and stuff like that. You're just like, man, I can't even, I don't even have time to do my own stuff and get my own content out, you know. So it, this is a good time to huddle up and to kind of have a meeting of the minds with, with some of the other people in the industry that you really respect. And so I have a bunch of questions that I have for you here. Here, um, Justin, some that I sent you beforehand, but be, just before we were talking, you know, some of the stuff you have going on right now, you have the schedule matrix up over at the score, uh, your rankings, the uh, dynasty trade value charts, and you'll have your breakouts and busts coming out pretty soon. Of course, you guys can find all that if you follow Justin on Twitter at Justin Boone, and we'd certainly recommend you do that. But uh, whenever you mention the schedule matrix, I was just curious. I mean, we do our strength of schedule stuff by pos- by position once we kind of have a, a little bit better idea of what we feel like the final 53 is are, are, are going to be. Uh, we don't really do it so much from the uh, – do. how do you guys do it there? Is it from the um, the Vegas win total perspective? Like how is it that you pull it together? I There's a lot of things that we're factoring in. Like you said, you can't really do it until after the draft. And even still, it'll get tweaked a little bit along the way if we get some other vet signing. But – you really have to wait until, especially like the, the defenses, right? Like we're looking at what a lot of these matchups are going to be. So there's right. a ton that goes in. I mean, there's historical data. There's, you know, the offseason roster changes. We're taking so, all that into right. account. We're Even as much as like the last few years, I love what like Warren Sharp does in terms of like the, the rest and the advantages that certain teams get 
based on the amount of rest days that they're getting during the oh, season yeah, and the yeah. amount of traveling that they have to do. So it's all kind of factored in the home road splits, the individual player matchups. It's kind of all built in there. Um, and, and I think the important part is I don't want people to overreact to it. I want people to look at it. And I say this right in there. This is something to tie break. This is something where it's all color coded, you know, green mm-hmm. for the better matchups and, and red for worse. And then orange and, and yellow in the middle, but orange and yellow don't really matter that much. You really want to look at the, right. the polar ends of it, mm-hmm. right? Who's got the really good schedules and who's got the really bad schedules. And even then, if it's a, a star player, uh, like I talked about in the article, you know, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes are a couple guys that have some of the, the worst schedules for fantasy quarterbacks this year. And yet it's not like you're taking them off your board, right? Like you <laughs> might just break a tie. Maybe you look at, I already had Josh Allen above them in my rankings, but maybe you look at Justin Herbert over a Mahomes or a Lamar Jackson because of that. It's that sort of thing, right? It's just another data point. And that's really what these next few months leading up to the season are all about is kind of, and I'm still doing it. I'm still going over stuff and tweaking the projections and everything. As we get closer, you're just trying to get as much information as possible, really all together so that you can come at the season, hopefully with the best possible projections and and rankings. We do our matchup tool at roster watch in red and blue because I'm, because I'm red, green, colorblind. And so selfishly, (laughs) selfishly, it's like, I I, I, I can't, I I just, if I'm the one building the tool, you know, it's, it's bad to have a guy like me on a red and green sheet. So ours are, ours have always been red and blue, but we always tell people it's like the dark blue and the dark red. Those are the ones that you focus on when it's light blue or when it's pink or, you know, like it's, you know, when it says it's like moderately bad, it's like almost like it's not negligible. You can draw something from it, but man, what you want or is, is 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 on those polar sides. So I wanted to ask you. You said that with Mahomes and with um with Mahomes and with Lamar Jackson. And before I ask you about some of these guys that have good schedules, I'd like to just ask you about a Superflex Dynasty, uh, Superflex IDP Dynasty draft that my business partner Byron was in yesterday, and he and I got into a text conversation with his second round. Um, with his, um, I think it was a, no, it was a late, it was a, so it, he picked it like the one point. So the discussion with the second round pick was a different one. The discussion with the first round pick was at 1.04 or something like that. And it's a super flex draft and both Mahomes and Justin Herbert were available to him. Um, and dynasty, it felt pretty tough because, you know, uh, Mahomes has you know two and a half years on uh, Herbert, but you know we ended up you know going with our dynasty rankings, and, and you know he ended up taking Patrick Mahomes there just because, boy, it just feels like you get a young you know probably a guy with an Aaron Rodgers level arm talent, you know regardless of what happens for the next 10, 12 years. How do you how how how, how do you circle that square in dynasty between Herbert and Mahomes? I, I know this wasn't a question that I sent you, but. Um, it was just right on the front of my mind because we had this long text thread yesterday about him making that decision. That's one where I laugh, and, and I've said this recently, I laugh at some of like the arguments that happen on on Twitter, especially with Dynasty. I love Dynasty. like It's, it's my favorite format now. I try to trade to change all my leagues over to Dynasty, but some of the debates that happen, like, you know, Jamar Chase versus Justin Jefferson, who's the better, you know, number yeah. one receiver. <laughs> what are we talking about? Well, these guys are going to be phenomenal. And it's yeah. it's exactly how I feel with Mahomes and and Herbert. Uh, you know, I, I think for me, I'm often willing to take a little more risk on. So I might lean Herbert in that situation and, and just go for it and, and take the extra years that I think I could maybe get out of hand. But Mahomes is by far the safer option, right? You're going to go with Mahomes. Yeah. Most times, I think, because we've already seen him produce the way he has. But it also wouldn't shock me. Like, when we look at Patrick Mahomes right now, when a team loses an elite talent like Tyreek Hill, it's going to hurt that quarterback. I don't care who the quarterback is, right? We're going to see it this year. It's going to be really interesting to see with Aaron and Mahomes. They're going to be fine. They're still going to be good fantasy options and all this stuff. But it's going to take a little bit off the top, I think, even though both teams went out and tried to do some things to fill that void. So that's just one little area with Mahomes where people could be worried, but he is the safer option and they're both going to have fantastic careers. We've seen enough from Justin Herbert now to know that he's going to be right up there for a long time as well. So really no bad option amongst those two. I, I have, I have a Tyreek Hill related question I want to ask you, but before like, I, 
people are going to be pissed off if I don't return to this schedule stuff because I started <laughs> out. So like who 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 whenever you look at this, who, who you 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 mentioned the two quarterbacks at, at other positions. Who's got some good schedules where you look at and you're like, man, this thing looks 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 juicy. Uh, well, the thing that I love about the the schedule now, the last couple of years, I have tables, so it's all sortable. So you can click whatever position you want and and boom, you can see whoever's right at the top. And that's what I'm going to have to do here because I did not memorize the whole thing yet. But uh, <laughs> one guy that really stood out to me is David Montgomery. And Dave Montgomery is somebody that I know the fantasy community is kind of down on. He's kind of in that like Josh Jacobs range where I think the issue is that people – don't see him as a guy that could crack the top five. He doesn't have that supreme upside. So then a lot of people kind of shy away from him or, or discount him. But the last couple seasons, the Bears running backs, they've had a pretty good fantasy schedule. They finished 11th and 12th in the last two years before the season in my matrix, you know, all that sort of stuff. And we saw with Montgomery, he had stretches at the end of both years where the schedule got very, very easy for him. And he really came through for fantasy. So he finished as the RB9 in fantasy points per game two years ago, uh, RB20 last year in, in average points per game. And now this year has the best schedule. So you have to put that up against, like I said earlier, it's not just the be-all, end-all. You got to put that up against the fact that the Bears really didn't go out and get much help for Justin Fields. So that's really unfortunate. You'd like to see that offense have a, a few more weapons there. But we're looking at this situation where, Montgomery is going to have a really good schedule and he's going to get fed a, a ton of volume. I'm really confident about that. So he's somebody that even if he could only give you a high end RB two numbers, even if he maxes out there, he's still a guy that I'm willing to take as my second back. So he's somebody that I really like some teams that like across the board have great schedules. The Broncos, the Broncos are the only team that at every position finished in the top eight for me in that matrix. So really every, posi- not, every position. Yeah. Not that you needed you know, more reason to invest in the Broncos offense now that Russell Wilson's there. But this is a situation like last year with Matt Stafford, where I was kind of screaming from the rooftops that everybody knows this is going to improve the Rams offense. But does everyone realize how much this is going to improve the Rams offense? Right. That's what's going to happen here with the Broncos, right? They're going from subpar quarterback play to now potentially elite quarterback play. And they already have all those skill position players there. So this is just yet another reason to pile on to make sure that, you know, maybe you got to pay up a little more. Maybe you jump around ahead of their ADP to get some of these guys like Cortland Sutton and even somebody like Tim Patrick. I know ever since Russell Wilson got there, when he's been asked about the receiving core, he has constantly mentioned Tim Patrick and anybody that listens to my show that follows my stuff, they know that I am like the Tim Patrick truther. I wrote my waiver article. I think it was like both of the last two seasons where I'm just constantly mentioning Tim Patrick as a guy to pick up because he kept putting up like wide receiver three fantasy numbers most weeks and people were just leaving them out there on the waiver wire. So anyway, that one's kind of obvious the Broncos, but it's just another reason to kind of invest there. So that's one. And I think really quarterback and running back are probably the two spots where I use it the most in terms of what I'm doing. I mean, receiver it's not the exact same as quarterback, but it right. correlates pretty closely. Mm-hmm. And then tight end, tight end's always kind of a, a crapshoot, right? Like tight end, so much of it yeah. outside of those elite guys, so much of it just comes down to who puts up a big touchdown total that year. And so it's a little bit tougher. I mean, I know Austin Hooper was a guy that finished at the top there for tight ends in the matrix. Um, you know, some of the sleeper guys like Evan Ingram with the Jags now, um, you know, Dalton Schultz gets really helped out. He's fifth there. Uh, Albert Boonham, so he's he's six so a bunch of those guys that are kind of in the lower range that tight end two kind of range that this is sort of a reason we could look at that and go you know what maybe that's why I place my chip on them in the the final round or in one of those late rounds go out and get them as opposed to spending up on on tight ends if you're not getting one of the elite guys spending up on tight ends normally is a mistake we we have Ben Albright who's a great friend of ours on the show all the time and he covers the Denver Broncos and no matter what you think of Ben on Twitter, where he can be, a, I always make fun of him. He's such, he's, he can be a he can be a polarizing guy on Twitter, but uh, he's he's plugged in, like he's inside the building there. And you know, I was asking him for fantasy, what do you think about you know Russell Wilson? Uh, who you know, which which, which guy would you target in fantasy between Judy Sutton? You know, all the I didn't even mention Tim Patrick. He's like, well, what about Tim Patrick? You know, and I was like, like, well, you can get him at the end for like a lot, a lot cheaper than these other two guys. He's like, well, they're all the same. So if you can get him cheapest, just go get him. He he, he literally says he sees no difference in the well, amount of, in the amount of volume these dudes are going to get, which is to me, 
I was like, you know, it's one of those mind blown gift kind yeah, of things. It could be a slip of the tongue for Russ, but one of the very first interviews he gave after the trade, he didn't even mention Jerry Judy. And Jerry Judy, <laughs> obviously, maybe some legal stuff off the field. We'll see what happens with that if he gets a small suspension or something. But he didn't even mention Jerry Judy in that interview. Uh, he just talked about throwing the ball up to Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick. And I, that was eye opening for, I was like, okay, so he, he is well aware of who Tim Patrick is. Yeah, this could be exciting. So that, that's a guy that, like you said, you can go out and redraft, get him in, in the last round, probably oh, yeah. or a guy that you can get very, very cheap in dynasty and maybe could give you some decent production. Uh, what you mentioned earlier about David Montgomery, what do you think of, because he's going right around this same time as, uh, in the early uh, best ball stuff, he's going right around the same time as as J.K. Dobbins. Are you in on J.K. Dobbins this year? Is he is he de- just destined to be a committee back with how they've talked about this? And I mean, I asked I I, I asked uh, was it Delacosta at the combine? I was just you know these guys are just these guys say that they want Justice. They're talking about they want Justice Hill to play. Gus Edwards is going to play. Now they bring in like Mike Davis and stuff. Like, what do you think about J.K. Dobbins and how do you just juxtapose him sort of in that tier where sometimes he's going ahead of David Montgomery? I would take Montgomery just because I think the the guaranteed volume is there. And we've seen Montgomery do it. Like I said, I gave the stats before, right? Like he can give you the low end RB1, high end RB2 kind of numbers. But the problem with Dobbins, it starts with the, the injuries, right? Coming back from the torn ACL. And yes, Gus Edwards also coming back from the torn ACL. But if we're talking about is he going to get a big workload? Our, first of all, they weren't giving him the big workload when he was healthy. Now he's coming back from a torn ACL. I can't imagine a scenario where they're going to just all of a sudden pile on 250 carries or something. Right? It's just not going to happen. That, that would seem crazy to me. Right. And then they go out, they get uh, Tyler Beatty, who's you know more of that. To me, he's more of a, a Jarek McKinnon type. Like He doesn't really have the, the I size. I didn't even mention Tyler Beatty. I, yeah. it, it, it is Tyler, they signed yeah. Mike Davis recently, yeah. right? Like They're bringing in a few other guys, which to me – when I'm looking at that stuff, that's I know it's also depth, but that's telling me that uh, maybe Dobbins and Edwards, maybe they aren't totally ready yet, or the team's a little bit worried about whether they're going to be ready. Maybe one of them's behind. You know, uh, Dobbins is somebody that is the higher end talent, so he's going to get more opportunity. If Gus Edwards is slow coming back, do they just cut Gus Edwards and go with you know a Mike Davis and, and Tyler Beatty situation there? Um, I don't think Justice Hill is really going to factor in. We've kind of seen him get his shot over the last couple of years and really hasn't happened for him yet. So uh, Tyler Beatty is somebody that I, I like grabbing in the, the mid to later rounds of like dynasty rookie drafts. Not somebody that I'm really targeting and redraft at the moment, but a guy that is never going to really be that sustaining lead back. But like I mentioned, Jarek McKinnon type guy where he could be that lead back for a short stretch, right? If If early in the season, let's say Dobbins isn't ready, Edwards isn't ready. I could see Tyler Beatty come out, somebody who can be a, a great pass catching weapon if the Ravens ever decide to throw to the running backs, mm-hmm. which every year they say they want to, and they never do. So it probably won't happen. But he can Why be. Why else trap Beatty, though? I mean, 18% market, I believe 18% market share of his team's receptions last year in the SEC. Like, I mean, that's. And are we sure that a guy like Mike Davis is even going to make the team? Like, he, yeah. he's a veteran back who's been around for a while, but. You know, he just got cut by a Falcons team that they need all the help they could get at running back right now. They don't have much on their roster and they were more than willing to let him go. So who knows if he has anything left in the tank? So we'll see what happens there. But no, I don't really envision a scenario, even if he is completely healthy, unless everybody else in that backfield is hurt and he ends up coming back and he's 100 percent. I don't see a scenario where we're going to see Dobbins get that kind of massive workload that he would need to get up into the, the top 20 top 15 for him to do it it's going to have to be just like mark ingram did a few years ago where he puts up a huge touchdown total right that's the way for him to kind of crack the the top 15 or so in fantasy the guy that was in that sort of same tier after you get past like the the players that people love to take in the first two rounds like past the and it feels like it feels like james connor has sort of crept up into that area but uh, you, get past the, you get past some of these guys um maybe the you know the Aaron Jones is picking up steam. Saquon Barkley had fallen a little bit. He's kind of back in that area. Once you get past those guys, like you get to like the guys that people take when they go wide receiver early, right? Like the David Montgomery's, the J.K. Dobbins is. I think ETN is in that category. Antonio Gibson is falling, but you know he's kind of in that category. Yes, J- yeah. 
Jacobs, ETN. But one guy that was in that category was Elijah Mitchell, and now he's just completely – like he slipped. He's fallen completely off the radar. Do you think that Elijah Mitchell could – I mean, what are the chances that he's the future there? Why is he slipping so much in these drafts where you could take him now in like the sixth and seventh round? I think people just look at the the Shanahan backfields and they see this kind of revolving door that's been there. And especially with guys that kind of profile like Mitchell, right? Not that he had a great season last year, so we can kind of throw draft capital at the window at this point. Like he he proved himself last season, but he also got hurt, missed a, a bunch of games last year. And then we heard after the season that he has this cleanup procedure on his knee and that's a knee surgery. It's a cleanup procedure. We want to downplay it. He had to have surgery after the season on yeah. the knee. So we got to see him come back from that. But we've also seen in recent years, whether it was Matt Breda, whether it was Raheem Mostert, these guys that are a little undersized, but super quick come in, they excel in that offense, but they just can't hold up. And then you have the 49ers go out and get Ty Davis price, who is a little bit bigger of a back, who is more of a, a downhill kind of runner who has some of that power, a guy that I don't think is coming for the job. I don't think he's coming to, to steal that starting gig, but now that he's there might give a little more competition for touches. And if Mitchell lets the door be open, maybe we could see it happen. Cause we know that whoever kind of steps up, they're just going to go with that guy. They are not going to hesitate and they're not going to kind of, you know, leave Mitchell in there just based on what he's done in the past. So I'm a little bit worried about Mitchell. Um, he has the upside to be a top 12, top 15 guy. I wish that he was a little more involved in the, the receiving game. He doesn't really put up huge numbers there, so that kind of hurts him a little bit. But in this offense, if he is healthy, if he is the number one guy, he would belong in, in the top 15 of my rankings for sure. But right now, because of some of this uncertainty, that's why I bumped him back. And if we're talking long-term, I wouldn't place a bet on him being the long-term guy. I think, like these other guys, we'll see him be there for a couple seasons, two, three years, and then maybe they'll find someone else. Maybe for 2023, uh, but if he falls too much farther for 2023 alone, he could become a value because it's just, and listen, that's what like you just said. I mean, that's like, great because in one of the fantasy cares eliminators, sort of cut you off there. One of the fantasy cares eliminators that I'm in, he fell to the sixth round, the, the settings, the scoring on those, I don't know how many people are in those, but the scoring settings on those are just wild, yeah. right? Like it's very, you're taking defenses early and mm-hmm. it really kind of changes things up. So that pushes him down a little bit, but he got to a range where I think I got him as, RB 22, 23, something like that. And that was a spot where, yeah, I'm more than happy to take him in that range based on the upside that he could give you, right? So whenever, that's another thing to always remind people, and most fantasy managers know this, but there's always a range where you're willing to take somebody, right? They fall oh, yeah. around two rounds, <laughs> yeah. all of a sudden, they start looking a lot better than the all that around. All that bad stuff that I just said, it, it doesn't count anymore. Right? Yeah, once yeah. they're up against, you know, yeah. some of the guys that are going a few rounds later, then they look a lot shinier. Yeah, well, so, well, uh, so, so Mike McDaniel, of course, goes for, goes from San Francisco where Elijah, where Elijah Mitchell is uh, going to be playing, goes to, goes to Miami. Now they've just had this infusion of running backs. Are you interested in any of these guys? I mean, like, like you said, there's always a point in which you can become interested. Like, what is the which you know between all of them? You know, the, the to, like to me, it's kind of been Chase Edmonds, who I've kind of had had my eyes on. Um, but boy, which when you look at the depth chart, they got like four of these dudes, and it becomes a real worry for me that it could be a you know it's a guy coming from a Shanahan background, and we know how the Shanahanigans can go with the running backs. Yeah, the thing with the the Shanahan backfields though is I always tell people you want pieces of that backfield, even if you know and you want maybe the cheapest option if that's how you want to get in there, but you want to have those players because almost every year we see whether it's a full season like Mitchell coming on and having a, a pretty good year, even though he missed some time, or a few games where a guy steps in there like, and like gives you like three games of Jeff Wilson here and there. Exactly so. right. Yeah. So yeah. you want those guys on your bench just in case it happens. And we'll see. Miami's not quite there yet. We're not going to just automatically go, well, that's a full Shanahan system, but they're going to be in that same mold. And then we'll see if, you know, the offensive line and everything can, can help them get where they need to go. But when we're looking at that backfield, yeah, I'm willing to take shots on those guys. Now, the fact they brought in Sony Michelle, Makes me a little worried about Raheem Mostert. He's coming back from that knee cartilage issue. Does the team, you know, are they upset about where he's at right now? Maybe they don't feel that good about it, and that's why they brought Sony Michelle in. Maybe they just know what we know, that Raheem Mostert's not going to be healthy for long. Even if he starts the season, it sucks to say, because Mostert's had some really big games, yeah. really exciting player, explosive guy to watch out there. But let's face it, he is not going to stay healthy for the full season. So 
you need that other option. And I think a Chase Edmonds, Sony Michelle backfield with all those weapons they have in the passing game there, it's kind of interesting to me. I'm more than willing to take those guys in that round seven to round nine kind of range. I'll totally grab them there and I'll grab either of them. I agree with you that I think Chase Edmonds would be the better option. He has more of the pass catching profile, but we saw Sony Michelle, if he gets the volume, whether it was with the Rams, even a couple of those years with the Patriots where, you know, he didn't quite crack a thousand yards. People weren't that excited. He was still putting up like 900 rushing yards a season. Like he can produce in the right situation. So I kind of like both those guys in that range. If that's the build you're going with, where you want to attack running back in that area, we know JJ Zacharyson, a lot of us knew this for a long time, but JJ Zacharyson did some really great work the last couple of years looking at, you know, attacking these uncertain backfields kind of in that range of the draft and that you pick the guy, you place a chip on all of them, or you pick the guy you like. And that a lot of the times these league winning type guys come out of these uncertain backfields where everybody's going in that range. And if you happen to get the right guy, boom, you got this huge producer on your team. So I'm more than willing to do it in that offense. Cause I think that dolphins offense is going to be, is going to be much, much better this year. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Well, so do you, so who do you think had the, so between, so let's say on the Dolphins, so Tua, clearly they got a lot better. I mean, they got help with the wide receivers. They got help with the running backs. They've done some things with the offensive line. Who do you think has a better like system, just overall upgrade for this next year of two guys that people are hoping are going to break out between Tua, Tonga Vailoa, and Daniel Jones for the Giants, whereas Jones, it, maybe not so much from a personnel standpoint, but he does get Kenny Galladay back healthy. Who knows what's going to happen with – who knows what's going to happen with Kadarius. But, I mean, if if that guy could come in healthy, they got the offensive line stuff. But most importantly, Brian Dable coming in and just what he was able to do with a, a very similar – I mean, I don't, I, don't, I don't need to tell you about what he was able to do with Josh Allen and how they're similar. I know that you're a Buffalo Bills, uh, Buffalo Bills fan from up there and then the Niagara Falls area. So, I mean, what do you think? Who, who, got, the, who got the bigger upgrade as far as their – overall surrounding situation between Tua and Daniel Jones. I think you did a good job hitting on, on the general points there. Um, it's got to be Tua for me. I mean, Daniel Jones, he's a guy that in two quarterback super flex leagues, I think he could be a bit of a, a sleeper in there. I think maybe he's somebody in, in, you know, dynasty leagues, even if you're looking for a real cheap option, if you need that second quarterback and you want to go and get somebody and not have to pay up for them, he's a guy that I would roll the dice on for sure. Let's see if, if Dable can, really boost him up. But between these two, it's gotta be Tua. I mean, like you said, you, you look at the, the options in York are good. He's got good weapons. The dolphins just went out and got an elite weapon in Tyree kill to yeah. add to Jalen Waddle, who might end up being elite himself. The guy looks like a star. He broke out oh. last season. I'm not a big Mike Gusecki guy. And it's mostly a fantasy <laughs> issue that I have with him. I don't think he's really consistent, but yeah. he's a really good pass catching tight end. I think they upgraded even the number three receiver spot going out and getting a guy like Cedric Wilson. That helps the running backs that we just talked about the offensive line, Teron Armstead coming in there like that. That's a huge addition. If he can stay healthy, the the system, they're also getting the upgrade there. And then you look at Tua and Tua. And I mentioned a bunch of these guys, you know, we're talking about the David Montgomery's and Josh Jacobs and these guys that the Mm -hmm. fantasy community always seems to kind of put down a little bit wishy-washy right Tua yeah. might be like the poster boy for this now oh yeah, it, yeah this highlight comes out last year and it just it blew my mind that this highlight comes out where he's wearing this bucket hat he underthrows a pass mm-hmm. and everyone just attacks him and it's been like that from the get-go the guy came, overcame a potentially career-ending injury at the end of his, his college yeah. career probably shouldn't have played as a rookie and comes out, they kind of pushed him out there midseason. I don't really know why they did that. Maybe they just wanted to get things started and they thought he needed the experience, but wasn't great in that rookie season. Last year, though, I mean, after the injury, he came back in week six. We're talking fantasy points per game here. He was a quarterback 17. And you think quarterback 17, that's not great. But when you look at his situation last year with the way the offensive line was, with guys that they thought were going to help him, like Will Fuller, not there. Uh, Devontae Parker missed a bunch of games in the second oh, half yeah. of the season during that stretch. So, and he put up 
the maybe 17. Like that's not bad at all, especially now we're talking about adding all these other things. So can he get up into the quarterback one range and be consistently up there? Probably not, but that is maybe more about the fact that there's so many good fantasy quarterbacks out there that guys like Derek Carr having Devontae Adams or Tua, it's really hard. Even a guy like Trey Lance, who I'll probably keep moving up my rankings, I want to get those guys up higher. And it's hard when you look at all these proven guys that are in the top 10, top 12. So I think it's Tua for sure. I don't know that he's going to be that you know league winning type guy. I don't think he's ever going to be you know what we've seen from Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts when these guys take these massive leaps and they give you these huge weekly edges. But I think Tua is going to be a, a really solid fantasy quarterback and be kind of on that fringe QB one range for a while here. So I'm really excited to see what happens. And I think he's the type of quarterback that maybe was going to need some time early in his career. He's more of that timing precision guy. He wasn't the guy that was going to come in and overpower you with his arm and be able to make these wild plays. That was never going to be his game. He's got the arm to make every throw you need, but he needs that offense to be that timing precision thing. And hopefully he's going to get a chance here under Mike McDaniel to to get settled in with all these weapons around him. And, and we'll really see finally what he can be. I think he's going to be a good pro. Well, I mean, it's, it's like, if the offense is what they say it is, then it's exactly as you've described. So, I mean, let's just, let's just see if it's what they actually say it is. And I, I think that, I think that's a, that's a great take on it. What, so you mentioned, um, you mentioned Jalen Waddle. He, he was obviously hurt by the addition of Tyreek Hill, right? There were a bunch of good young dynasty wide receivers and a bunch of guys in best ball that we were targeting around this, basically around this same area, wherever you started kind of looking at, you know, I mean, Jalen Waddle was going, you know, he's going around where people are looking at guys like, you know, Deontay Johnson and these kinds of, you know, these kinds of dudes that we've seen, you know, wide receiver one seasons out of and just great volume out of and everything. Now Jalen Waddle's going a lot later. Amon Ross St. Brown is going a lot later because of the various additions they've they've made. Um, and then also Elijah Elijah Moore is going a lot later. It seems like that probably has to do with Garrett Wilson. What do you think out of all those guys who got hurt the most as far as um, as far as the new additions to to their team between Amon Ross St. Brown, Elijah Moore, and Jalen Waddle? If we're just talking about the new additions. Yeah, yeah. Well, then I, if we're just talking about the new additions, I think it would be Jalen Waddle. Or how about, or how about this new additions and also guys coming back from injury? Guys just come, like like okay. for, for like Amon Rossi Brown, you have to take Hawkinson coming back into consideration and stuff like that. Like who's just more hurt by the difference in their situation this next year than they were versus their situation last year? Yeah, I think if we were just going to say the new additions, it would be Jalen Waddle, just because Jalen Waddle had a chance to be a, a wide receiver one, a top. If he was going to get that kind of volume, <laughs> yeah. we could have seen him get up into the top, you know, five, five. top ten yeah. kind of thing, yeah. right? Like, um, and now with Tyreek there, it's going to be awfully tough for him to to do that. Still could, but it's going to be awfully tough for him to do that. If we're talking about just who's going to be hurt the most this year versus what they did last year. And this is a conversation that's been happening for a while on Twitter since the season ended about Amunra St. Brown and put me on the side of, and maybe this isn't either category. Some people want to talk about how he's, you know, this great receiver. And some people want to talk about how it was all just the, the volume and the target share that opened up from all the injuries. Can't both things be true. Can't the guy be a good receiver. I think it's perfectly good take. I think that makes sense. I think he's a good receiver. I think he, he proved himself last year. I think he's a a solid pro. He's going to have a good career. But at the same time, I don't think that we could overlook the fact that there was really nobody around him in that offense. When you had DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson and and all these guys hurt, he was the only show in town down the stretch. And he had, I think it was week 13 on, double-digit targets every single week. You look earlier in the season when he wasn't playing quite as much, but he was still in there 65 70% of the snaps, and he was averaging five targets a game. Right. So what he did down the stretch was fantastic. I don't think it's going to continue, though. And you look at those two guys that I just mentioned coming back and getting involved. You look at, you know, them bringing in DJ Chark. You look at them bringing in Jameson Williams, that Jameson Williams, who knows when he's going to be ready. It might take him a little bit Mm -hmm. here coming back from the torn ACL. But if there was a better quarterback with the Lions, maybe we could say, okay, he'll be able to keep this passing attack going and get all these different options. Jared Goff's not that guy. Jared Goff is not in the offense that they currently have. 
Jared Goff is not going to keep all these guys fantasy relevant. So it is going to be a lot more hit and miss. There are going to be more games like Amonra St. Brown had early in the season where his targets go way, way down and the floor is going to be much lower than it was. And then there will be some games where he gets double digit targets and plays well. So I just think you have to bake that in. And for me, that makes him more of a, a wide receiver three this year. But that's also because we don't know about Jamison Williams. If Jamison Williams is going to start the season and, and be out there, I think I'd be moving St. Brown even further down my board. But right now I'm looking at him as that kind of volume dependent wide receiver three. Just know and what happens is every year these guys go off down the stretch. They help people win fantasy titles and then everybody's all in. They love oh, yeah. them to death. And now they just figure, okay, this guy has to be that guy for me forever. It's not going to happen. I can't imagine a scenario unless we see a million injuries in that offense again, where we're going to see St. Brown kind of consistently get 10, 11, 12 targets like he did for the last six weeks or so of the season. You're not going to start your season this year with Rashad Penny and Ahmad Ross, St. Brown, the same way this year, <laughs> the same way you did last season. Um, all right. So uh, two, two quick questions about some sort of wide receiver, um, some wide receiver uh, dichotomies here, guys going around the same time as one another. I just want to get your take on what about Devonte Adams at the kind of at the one, two turn Devonte Adams, CD lamb. I have, I have trouble. I have trouble with this one just because of, you know, there's a lot to take into account for each guy's changing situation. Yeah, it's it's really tough. That falls into another category for me where I'm probably going to be happy no matter who I get there. Right. But I think Devontae Adams, it helps to me a lot. I know they haven't played together in forever, but it helps to me that he's going to a team where he has familiarity with the quarterback, where he's not going somewhere. Because we see sometimes receivers changing teams. It can be tough. Now, when it's these elite guys changing teams, whether it's a DeAndre Hopkins or a Stephon Diggs, those guys, they hit the ground running. They're normally fine, and Adams is going to be that. Uh, will he see the the same kind of all-out volume that he saw with Green Bay? No, but that's why he's not my number one ranked receiver anymore, and he's fallen down to kind of that four or five range. So that's where he's at for me. CeeDee Lamb still has to prove it. I, I think he's an unbelievable talent. The year he came out, he was my top-ranked uh, receiver prospect. So he's getting put into a situation where – he could potentially move all the way up and be kind of in that top five in, in terms of targets this year, just based on the fact that Michael Gallup, another one of these names, and this is the time of year when people need to start looking at these guys who are injured. We've mentioned them a couple of times on the show, different guys, but the Chris Godwins of the world, uh, Michael Gallup now is, is who I'm going to talk about here. Some of these guys that are hurt and might not be ready for week one, oh. we have to start paying attention to this stuff because and, and around this time of year when I start doing projections and you start to look at kind of September a little bit more, that's when all this stuff seeps into my brain that much more. So um, I would keep an eye on some of those guys because there's going to be opportunities for other people. One of them is going to be CeeDee Lamb where he's going to take on more volume early in the season. But there's other guys in that offense like Adalton Schultz who's going to see a little more work or you know maybe Tolbert, maybe James Washington. There's some other players there who could step up into that Michael Gallup role. But either way, I'm taking Devontae Adams because I think he's the more proven guy, but it would not shock me at all if CeeDee Lamb all of a sudden sees this massive volume this year and that boosts him way up. But I still think you got to go with Devontae based on the, the proven track record and the fact that I think that Raiders offense with Josh McDaniels is going to be pretty good. And I think Carr is a decent quarterback. It's not like, you know, he's going to a team with the, uh, I don't want to know shots fired at anybody, but you know, a Marcus Mariota or a Drew Locke right. or something like that right. where, we're going to downgrade him because of that. Carr is going to be just fine for him, and he's going to see plenty of volume. And it hurts some of the other guys there, like you know Darren Waller and, and Hunter Renfro, who were kind of living off that volume there. Talented players, but really getting boosted up in fantasy based on the volume. I think those are the guys that are going to be hurt more. Do you, and then what about – here's another one. Mike Williams is getting steams. Um, you know, I guess rightfully so. I mean, if you look at the tar- – I, I can't believe that, you know, both Mike was looking at it earlier – um, just getting ready for the show, but I believe Mike Williams and Keenan Allen were both like top 10 in targets last year, which to yeah. me was just wild, wild to see. It goes to show that people shouldn't be taking Josh Palmer in the 13th round of these, of these drafts. He's never going to get the volume, but no. um, can, 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 can you make a case for Mike Williams over Terry McLaurin? Because here's my thing about it. Terry McLaurin's really awesome. And I understand that people in dynasty are kind of down on him because he's always been older and he's always been, um, uh, you know, he, and lately he's been a guy that's been a little bit disgruntled with his contract and stuff like that. And this is the time of year where us dynasty sickos, our takes start transitioning into best ball. 
and you get a little bit of bleed over, you know, a little bit of bleed over into best ball and redraft from just these weird cockamamie dynasty ideas that, that we have. But Terry McLaurin's good. And I understand that people don't like Carson Wentz. But the one thing that I've noticed about Carson Wentz is like if he finds a Zach Ertz or if he finds a Michael Pittman or if he finds maybe a Terry McLaurin that he like sometimes he latches on to these dudes and he really peppers them with volume. I can't I mean, I can't imagine him not latching on to McLaurin. I mean, that's just my take. How do you see this? And then what about Mike Williams versus McLaurin? I think for me, it's Mike Williams easy. Like, I think we saw kind of a, a changing of the guard last year with that Chargers offense. And Keenan Allen was still great. Uh, there's no knock there. But let's just look back at last year. And it, like you said, this is one that, that you would send me before the show. So I also was was looking up some of the stats. Mm-hmm. And I think they would surprise people. I, I have Mike Williams above both those guys, both above Keenan Allen. Oh, you have Mike Williams above Keenan Allen? Keenan. In my rankings. Now, in PPR. For, uh, for half PPR? In, for in half, half PPR, PPR and yeah. standard. In, in PPR – I have Keenan Allen a couple spots ahead of him, but they're both in my top 15. But if we look at last year, fantasy points per game last year, Mike Williams is the wide receiver 14. If you take out, there's a couple guys up there too. It's always funny. Um, uh, Christian Wilkerson, um, like Mac Hollins, Cyril or Grayson. <laughs> yeah, they had like yeah. one or two games where they were yeah, huge. Yeah. And then the per oh. game thing, they're right up there. You take those guys out. And Mike Williams was a wide receiver one in points per game. He was wide receiver 12. So that's not just ahead of McLaurin. McLaurin last year, and we'll talk about the whole situation, but McLaurin last year, wide receiver 36 in fantasy points per game. And also last year, we talked about it, Mike Williams finished ahead of Keenan Allen in that category, wide receiver 17. Once again, half PPR is what I was looking at there. So Williams and Allen were very close. It was uh, 13 fantasy points per game for Williams, 12.8 for Allen. McLaurin off the pace by a few points. He was at 10.3 last year. So like I said, I think there was a changing of the guard where last offseason we had Justin Herbert come out and say, we got to get the ball to Mike Williams more. We want to get him more involved. We want to feature him in this offense. And sometimes you think, ah, is that just fluff? Is that lip service that he's just saying, you know, before the year? No, they came out and that's exactly what they did. They they treated him like he was a number one receiver or a 1A, 1B kind of situation. And Williams delivered in there. And you know, has the much better quarterback. I don't think there's any argument oh, that, no. you know, Justin Herbert is just light years ahead of Carson Wentz. And we have Keenan Allen hitting that 30 year old Mark. I think he has a skill set that's going to translate just fine. I think he's going to be able to adapt and continue to have a long career. We saw a guy like, you know, Larry Fitzgerald kind of figure it out and continue to be a, a presence out there, even if he wasn't the exact same player that he used to be. I think we'll see that with Keenan Allen, but and Keenan Allen doesn't have a lot of. He's he's not a guy that relies overly on his you know speed or things that are exactly. going to diminish a lot faster, right? Yeah, so sorry. he's did, he's going to continue that. to produce even if we did see maybe uh, the start of something last year, the start of kind of a a different phase in his career, maybe or that's at least approaching. We know the Chargers like Mike Williams. They brought him back. They gave him the contract that oh, you know yeah. Terry McLaurin desperately wants right now. Yeah. Mike Williams got it three years, sixty mil. So. You know that that he wants to be around. And like I said, this year, aside from full PPR, I am very comfortable having Mike Williams over the other guys. And I'm just weirdly including Keenan Allen in this because we're talking about him so much. But if we're looking at McLaurin specifically, yes, the quarterback situation last year was a big part of the problem. Um, but also, we saw a situation last year, almost like the Amonra St. Brown thing, where everybody else in the offense got hurt. Curtis Samuel didn't really do anything. They didn't have a second receiver. Logan Thomas, Thomas. tight end. He was hurt, right? We had all these other guys gone and McLaurin wasn't able to really put up, you know, next level. Like that number one, Cam Sims would be catching these touchdowns. And you'd be like, what is the, who's he throwing it to? (laughs) You know, it's it's crazy. I've, I've always wondered, I like McLaurin too. And I think he's a good talent. I've always wondered though, if maybe he's more of like that high end number two, rather than the, you know, a true number one kind of top target out there. And maybe I'm wrong about that. We'll see. But he's going to face a lot more target competition this year. Uh, first round receiver in Jahan Dotson. We're going to have those two guys back in Curtis Samuel and and Logan Thomas. Like I said, they brought back J.D. McKissick. We know he's going to see some volume in the passing game. So all of a sudden, there's a lot more competition. And maybe Carson Wentz does lock on to him. But that's not guaranteed that that's going to happen. It's not even guaranteed that McLaurin's going to be on the team this year. Let's face it. All these receivers getting traded. It's possible that he could get traded still before the season. Right. So that could change things completely. But right now I don't know that people have uh, caught up to the fact, let's say that Mike Williams, I think it wasn't just a fluke last year. I think Mike Williams 
attached to Justin Herbert, who we talked about at the top of the show, one of the best young quarterbacks in the league right up there deserves to be among the top five fantasy quarterbacks, going to be a good quarterback for a long time. And now Mike Williams is attached to him, not just for this year, but for a while. I think that's really exciting. I think Mike Williams is somebody that people should be targeting in all formats and redraft and, and dynasty and McLaurin. I just think the situation is a lot more uncertain right now. Like, you know, what's going to happen with him? Is he going to end up on a different team? Are they going to continue to just go year by year with this quarterback situation? Or will they finally find somebody to come in there? One of the problems with Washington is they kind of, they float. And I dealt with this with the bills for, for years where they weren't quite bad enough to get that top quarterback and they weren't quite good enough to compete for a playoff spot or a Super Bowl. Right. And they just kind of floated in there for a long time. That's kind of what Washington's doing right now. So will Carson Wentz be the answer? I don't think he's going to be the long-term answer. I think he's going to be an upgrade on Taylor Heineke. But I don't know that anything's really guaranteed for McLaurin this year in terms of him all of a sudden having a big season. I think another good season of over 1,000 yards, you know, maybe he gets lucky and catches a few more touchdowns this year. But I'm more than willing to take Mike Williams over him at this point. He, he's Justin Boone. Of course, you can find him on Twitter at Justin Boone. And just as as I'm talking to Justin, like I'm, I'm just reminded. I just um, I switched over my podcast provider to Spotify, and I'm trying to add all my old podcasts back on. I'm reminded just hearing him talk. Like I, 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 I need to get the score pod. I, 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 I haven't added the uh, the score fantasy football podcast, so I, I need to get that up updated and get, and get that fixed. And you guys need need to get that fixed too, man. Because you, you can tell. The guy's a complete wealth of content. You can find his content, of course, over at the score and just following him at, at Justin Boone. He'll be tweeting out all the stuff. He has breakouts and busts that are coming up, the dynasty trade value charts, of course, his his rankings, which have always been awesome. So we ask you guys to go follow him over there and make sure and subscribe to the podcast, the score fantasy football podcast. Um and I actually made a note to myself as we were talking, like I need to look for that on Spotify because it's been it's been a while since since since, since I've heard you, brother, and it's definitely great to hear you. All right, so here's my last two questions. Um, uh, so these are the these 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 are the big ones because I need because I need takes that you're takes that you're absolutely positive of in in the in the month of May, year of our Lord, twenty twenty two. Oh, pressure's on. <laughs> okay, so who are you positive is going too too late right now in in in, in early redraft? Oh, uh, too late. I mean, I don't know if this is a good answer or not, but it's Gronk. Why Why does everyone think that there's any doubt that this guy's going to be back this year? That's a good there answer. A, yeah, it's good. There it's was a good. clip of him in a barbershop. Now we're going just, you know, way out there for this one. This isn't, you know, yeah. hardcore. We're not analyzing the numbers here, but there was a clip of him in a barbershop a month or two ago, and they were teasing him saying, oh, are you coming back this year? And he was cracking jokes about oh, Tom made me wait. Maybe I'll make him wait. We know that what Gronk's doing, he does not want to participate in offseason practices. He wants to go live his life. And then he's going to show up for training camp. And he's one of the few guys that can probably pull this off every year where he can just kind of, he's so gifted that he can show up for training camp without having that offseason. He already has the history with Brady. The chemistry's there. He's going to come back. And last year in fantasy points per game, people, you know, they think, well, Gronk used to be, you know, the number one overall guy putting up 17 touchdowns some seasons, right? Mm -hmm. No, he's not that guy anymore. Sure. But he was third last year among tight ends in fantasy points per game in half PPR, right? He was just behind Andrews and Kelsey. They're kind of in their own tier above everybody else. It would not shock me if Gronk ends up right there kind of behind them in the next tier. You know, maybe Kyle Pitts gets past him. Maybe Kyle Pitts finally finds the end zone this year a few times and he could put together a better season. But Gronk to me is going to be up in that top five conversation and where he's going right now in like the 10th or 11th round. I'm pretty sure he's going and in, in yeah. best ball, I'm more than willing to take him over some of the tight ends that are, are higher up the board. Like we talked about spending that kind of mid round pick on a tight end can be pretty dangerous. Often doesn't work out. You don't see the value for it. Just wait for a Gronk or, or somebody like that. There's a lot of those late tight ends. I mentioned a couple earlier when we were talking about the schedule matrix. I mean, Cole Komet's another one that I think is going to have a, a really good year, but Gronk is the one. If you need me to pick somebody, Gronk is the one that with Chris Godwin potentially, you know, limited or not available early in the year as he's coming back from injury, Gronk will be back. You're getting the discount because people are scared he's going to retire. 
I'm confident that he's not going to retire and I'm getting him on like every team this year. I love that. And I, I, I need to move Gronk up on our, on our cheat sheet. Now right here, live on the pod, Justin Boone just talked me into it because it's true. (laughs) I mean, we always take a conservative kind of a wait and see approach. He's not back with the team yet, but it's like, what are you really missing out on with an 11th round pick? I mean, what are you risking? Yeah. Like you're literally foregoing the opportunity to take like, Devonte Parker in his new spot in New England, or so, I mean, just and it was like something at another position where you just like, or, or, I mean, guys, just, you're just not even gonna, you know, like taking a chance on like Ronald Jones or Isaiah Spiller or something. You could you could have a game changing tight end, and and know? that's the thing. That's another argument for not using the the middle round picks on a tight end, right? If you can get one of the early guys, do it because they're the advantage they give you is just astronomical. But if you can't, you wait, you grab a Gronk, maybe you grab another guy like a Cole Komet who I mentioned. If it doesn't work out for those guys, there are, there's going to be other yeah. tight ends that can give you that you know low end tight end one production that you're going to be able to get off the waiver wire. I could make an argument. I was looking at it the other day. I think I could make an argument for maybe 20. Like once you get outside of the elite guys, there's probably 23, 24 tight ends that I think could have a shot to maybe get up into that top 12, top 15. So there's going to be other guys that pop up, guys that go undrafted in fantasy leagues that you're going to be able to get off the waiver wire. So Take your shot on one of those late guys. See if they come through for you. And if not, just stream the position until you find the guy. All right, Justin. Here, let the hate come out of your body. Oh, who's, no. the, who's the player that's going to your positive is going too too high? I mean, not that we want to talk about tight ends all the time, but um, I think George Kittle and Darren Waller, I'm going to take two here because I think right now it's more name value for them. It's more because for a long time it was Kelsey, Kittle, and then Waller mm-hmm. and they were getting, you know, lots of volume and the touchdown opportunities were there. And Kelsey's situation hasn't really changed. If anything it might even be a little better. I know he could be starting to decline, but with Tyree kill, not there volume wise, Kelsey's going to be right up there. Yeah, but yeah. Kittle now you have Debo, you have Brandon Ayuk. I would argue that, you know, Kittle's kind of third where before he used to arguably be the number one option in the passing game there. And and who knows how much volume there's going to be with a new guy in Trey Lance. Exactly. And then you have Darren Waller, who we talked about earlier, is going to have to contend with now a a true number one there, a real target hog in Devonta Adams. So I just worry a little bit about those guys that I think they're going to be overdrafted. I see them going in like the fourth round or so. And I think people are going to be incredibly disappointed if they spend up on them thinking – well, I got to get those guys because they're the guys who have a chance to be in that elite group. I don't think they do at this point. I think they'd need a bunch of injuries to kind of happen for them to get back in the same situations they were in before where they were producing like that. So those are guys that I haven't really touched in many drafts this year. And it seems crazy because, you know, the names are their household names are guys that have won us weeks and won us leagues before. But this year, I don't think that's going to happen for them. So they're guys that I'm staying away from in favor of the Gronks and those later guys that we talked about. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.